Good morning to you all. Uh, my name's Martin. Great to be with you this morning, speaking to you. Uh, just a very worried look on Richard's face as he turned around and I disappeared. I just nipped to the toilet, okay? I just, you know, what a man's got to do. Well, it's fantastic to be together. Dawn and I have been away for a little while, uh, as, as the colour of my skin probably shows. Uh, someone, uh, I think someone thought I'd been in the sun, rather, yeah, literally, rather than the sunshine. Uh, but it's great to be back. Oh, we've had a lovely break, and we're eager to uh, get up to speed. I've just been hearing just briefly from Tim and Rich. What a great couple of weeks uh, you've had. Maybe I should go away more often, I don't know. But, uh, it's great that God is with us. Uh, so let's pray together, shall we? as I believe God's got some things for us uh, in addition to what he's already led us in. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of children as we've celebrated. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we are also those that can describe ourselves as children of God. Uh, and we thank you that uh, we have a Father in heaven who loves us dearly, uh, who love, loves us and loved us so much that he gave his Son for us. Uh, and Lord, we've been brought into a relationship with you that blows our mind. Lord, I thank you that you've brought us into something exceptional, something remarkable, something that as time from time to time people look in, they think, well, what's going on here? I thank you we're part of your church around the globe. Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, but also in the church, in this town, in the nation, and in the nations of the world. Jesus, you are indeed building your church. Uh, and we desire, as was prophesied earlier, we desire that more would know the Jesus that we love and follow. Uh, that more would come into relationship with you, Lord. Uh, and that we would celebrate with uh, a new life, a new birth. Not a child, young child, but a new birth in you. Uh, and so, God, we thank you that you have done remarkable things in our lives and continue to do so. And, Lord, we look eagerly forward for all that you have for us as we partner with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd like to talk about uh, something which I've entitled the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life. And when I wrote that title, I, I thought, I don't know if I'm inspired by that title or not. Uh, but actually what I want to try and convey is that the normal Christian life is extraordinary. And the normal Christian life should blow your mind. And you should, if I do my job correctly this morning, you should go away, this will be the test, won't it? Go away thinking, man, this really is remarkable that we're a part of, that we've been, that's been revealed to us. Uh, that we can celebrate. Uh, this uh, life that we're going to look at, uh, uh, someone called Terry Verga, who started our movement of churches many years ago, spoke on this subject, uh, I believe in Spain, which is because of the sort of Catholic, legalistic environment. Uh, while he was speaking on this topic, someone stood up and shouted, I think there was thousands of people there, shouted, this is outrageous! So we need to get to a place where we're thinking, this is outrageous this morning. That's the normal Christian life. Now some of you are thinking, yes. Some of you are thinking, really? Hopefully by the end of it we'll all be going, wow. 
God is with us. So I want to talk about this normal Christian life. I believe this needs to underpin all that we do individually in our life with God. It needs to underpin all that we do collectively. I believe it's important that we talked on this subject prior to talking on the Vision Sunday next week because that's going to be more of a let's go, go, go. But actually, if we don't get some things right here, then we can go, go, go in all the wrong ways. And we can get all fired up and motivated and this becomes just a motivational talk next Sunday rather than something that is built on a foundation that Jesus has laid. This is for you if you're new to church, if you've been to church for decades, if you're a parent, parents, if you're not a parent, uh, if you're married, if you're single, uh, this is foundational uh, and needs to underpin all that we do together. So I want to speak about the normal Christian life. Is that all right? Great. We're going to be looking through the book of Romans. Romans written by a guy called Paul, uh, one of the early leaders, probably the most significant leader, uh, authors uh, in the early church. And he uh, paints a picture throughout this book, which we call Romans, about this subject of the normal Christian life. And it begins by how we enter in. And so point one, if you like, is gaining access, gaining access to this normal Christian life. Romans 5 says this, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. See, Paul, the author, tells us that, that being justified by faith, we now have peace with God, and that through Jesus we have gained access by faith into grace. God has provided one who can give us access into grace. I don't know if you've ever been given access to something which you really shouldn't have done, or you didn't earn, or you didn't pay for, or you didn't deserve. I know a couple of years ago, uh, Dawn and I and our family with our daughters and their husbands, six of us, uh, we were about to board a plane. We had our, our boarding cards ready. We had our seat numbers. And suddenly there was a message on the Tanai for one of my daughter, actually, Esther and her husband, Johnny, to go to the desk. And we're thinking, oh, okay, well, it's a bit awkward. What's this about? So Esther and Johnny went and I followed them. And then I was just listening. You know when you just listen into a conversation and uh, I could see them shuffling away with the boarding passes and beginning to rip up the original boarding cards and then started to print new ones and had numbers like seat two and seat four. I'm thinking, hang on a minute, <laughs> you know, keep quiet, keep quiet. And so we got upgraded to first class. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it was... Uh, now, I don't, I've never, it's never happened to me before, uh, or since, uh, but what an experience! I mean, maybe some of you, some of you probably fly first class all the time. I know, but what experience! So you, we, we all got upgraded. The six of us got upgraded. So you, you, you walk in, and first thing I said to my kids was, "Kids, they're grown up now." Is I said, "Act like like you're used to this." Okay, so we, you know, so we're, yeah, you can. Okay, you know, so we're walking in, and we, you know, we're getting in line, and everyone else is sat in their seats. You know that moment when you get called up first. Oh, maybe you haven't experienced this, but that, that's right. When you, when you get called up first, and so we're walking in, and man, what a, 
I mean, I can see why you may feel spoiled if you're done, having that experience. You walk in, you've got seats that actually extend into beds. Uh, and so you press the button and... It, I mean, I spent most of the day going... <laughs> you know, and, and then they come along and, and you're offered champagne and, and uh, food was incredible. Menu arrives. There was one moment when, when um, the, the, the uh, stewardess... Stewardess? Yes. Game, and, and gave... Um, Dawn a, a bit of a, some a nice material, and and, and Dawn, Dawn thought, oh, that's to that's to go on my lap. So she put so put on her lap. She said, no, no, madam, that's your tablecloth. And so she put the tablecloth on. <laughs> oh, I've never experienced anything like. That. Uh, and uh, now the thing is, we had uh, we didn't know this was going to happen. So we I'd stuffed my face with greasy pizza in the, in the airport, and so I'm really full. I want to reassure you, that didn't hold me back at all. <laughs> I, I sampled everything. It was actually a night flight, and I didn't want to sleep because I wanted to enjoy all what was happening. We were upgraded. We gained access into something that we didn't pay for, we didn't earn, and it was a, an amazing experience. It was, a, it was something that was, was, was great fun. See, the point is this, is that we have gained access into something. We didn't earn it. We didn't pay for it. It almost wasn't ours to have. But actually, someone who had the authority said, this is for you. And then everything changed. So the first part of this normal Christian life is that we have gained access through Jesus Christ. We stand in grace through this access. And Jesus has rescued us. He's forgiven us of our sins. We've obtained a place that wasn't ours, but because of our place and our trust in Jesus becomes ours. We're a place of total acceptance, total security. We are fully qualified because he has given us access. But having gained access into grace, we must learn how to stand in grace. In fact, it says that, doesn't it? It says in those verses. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. One of the markers of knowing if we really understand grace is whether we're standing in grace. So often, sadly, Christians, they get grace almost as salvation, but then they revert to an effort, works-driven relationship with God that is not what is intended for us. That's not the normal Christian life. Paul describes it in these ways. He talks about standing in grace equaling reigning in life. Romans 5.17 he says this, For if by the trespass of the one man, that's referring to Adam, the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Elsewhere, Paul writes, talks about us being led in triumph. It talks in terms that we could say we are supposed to be winners in life. It doesn't mean everything goes right for us. and means that our approach and our experience of life are those that are reigning in life. 
I don't know about you and maybe talking to other Christians, sometimes it feels that life gets the better of us. It doesn't feel like we're reigning in life. We feel more like losers than winners sometimes. But actually what God promises in the normal Christian life is that we would reign in life. What happens sadly is often when we read these sorts of verses, we feel more condemned than encouraged. And there are times when we get caught up in yet a new start, maybe even this, this month, new, new term, and we think, right, this month I want a reigning life. Therefore, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to study God's word more. I'm going to come to Sunday mornings more. And these are, these are all good things, but actually we turn the gospel of grace into a New Year's resolution in seeking to reign in life. And that's not what it says here. It tells us that through the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, you reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. It doesn't talk about our spiritual work rate. It doesn't talk about our personal endeavor. It talks about something different, a relationship, an understanding of what grace does in life. And if we get that, we reign in life. Do you like the sound of this? Yeah, it's good. Thank you. He's my dad. He's my biggest fan. <laughs> Paul writes this, these words. Let me read it again. If by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? There's a wonderful promise for each of us that God wants you to reign in life. Not because what you've done, because what he's done. And at these moments, you begin to think, this is outrageous, but it's wonderful. Let's unpack it more with Paul. He talks in Romans 6, he says, you are not under law, but you are under grace. It's like he's got a theme weaving through this book. He's trying to get his message across. And then Paul sets out a fascinating illustration. Uh, And preachers do this all the time. We try and think of something that will try, will unpack what we're trying to communicate. I just used getting upgraded uh, in a plane. Well, Paul then talks in Romans 7 about marriage and how before we are believers, we are married to the law. And then when we become Christians, we become married to Christ. And it's it's imagery. He's trying to say, "How, how can I get this across? And so I thought I'd try and illustrate this by asking for some volunteers this morning. Uh, I wonder if I could have um, a couple of volunteers. Uh, Debs, would you join us at the front, please? And and Tim Green, would you join us at the front, please? Let's welcome these two, shall we? (laughs) You look like you were expecting it. There you see. It's the Holy Spirit, that is, I tell you. So you need to stand. um, Debs here. And Tim here. Now, this is a bit of a stretch, I know. Yes, Tim is your husband, okay? <laughs> and uh, Debs is representing a, a, uh, someone who's not yet a believer, uh, but has some understanding of the law. And Tim, you're representing the law. Would you just, could you just link hands and just, you know, it's all right, it's okay, you know. <laughs> You do this a lot, don't you, being being there? Well, last time it was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I thought this would bring you, bring you to, you, to your place. That's right. I've been downgraded. You have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Paul describes, let me try and explain this. Paul describes to the readers and to us that we were or we are married to the law. And the law is like an overbearing husband. Sadly, this husband doesn't seem to communicate kindness. He simply shows the errors of his wife's ways. Always points the finger. Always says you did wrong, you did that wrong. (laughs) Points out inadequacies. See, this is why I had to choose Tim, because no one could believe Tim could be like this. (laughs) You know, if I chose someone, you're thinking, well, maybe I could believe some of those things. That wouldn't help me. So... He's an unattractive husband, I wrote here. That's a bit unfair. That's a little harsh, isn't it? Never comes to the aid and just tells you what you can or cannot do. This is what the law does. You understand? It's what rules do. The reality is, and this is the, this is the nub of it, there's no point in arguing with the law, as you know is right. All the things that he says about us is true. We make mistakes. We don't match up to, 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 a, to a line of performance. We don't pray enough. We don't come to church enough. We say things we shouldn't say. We don't share the gospel. So, I mean, it's a great prophecy for, for don't hear what I'm not saying, what Sharon brought. But, but you know, we, we may not share our faith with someone this week, and then we feel condemned, and the Lord says, see, you didn't do it. You didn't do it. You're called to go and make disciples, and so the Lord does that. And we have no answer. We're joined to this husband. And as long as he lives, we can never remarry again. That's the imagery that Paul is describing. And then he turns the argument on its head. And I'll read some of the verses in a moment. He says, not that the law will die. He says that it's like we die. And then we remarry. And we marry, remarry another. And so, Tim, if I could illustrate this, if you could go and take your seat, and if I could maybe ask Toby to come and join me. (laughs) Standing tall. Come on, man. (laughs) This is the... That's... (laughs) Well, even, even the height thing is, it must be very confusing. So Paul writes this. Just hang in there, guys, please. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit. See, what happens in this, and this is the contrast. See, not only is Jesus, and Toby, you're representing Jesus now, Jesus receives us into his loving arms and he introduces new possibilities for our life. He namely says, I'm going to help you to bear fruit. It's not like rules and law is not of value, but actually this husband is a husband that brings life. And this is a husband that actually says, I'm going to bring my life and flow it through you. In fact, in the Gospels, Jesus said, if you abide with me, you will bear much fruit. See, Jesus is the life-imparting husband. He welcomes you and I into a relationship of love that will cause you and I to bear fruit. 
His words are spirit and life, reigning in life because we're now married to him. Amen? Amen. Would you like to thank these two guys? Thank you so much. See, Jesus imparts life. See, wrongly we can say that, you know, we, uh, some would say actually that we're saved by grace and then the law becomes important when we become a Christian because that helps us to how we are sanctified, that we, we learn how we've got to live our lives correctly. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible is very clear that we are now joined to another. And that other person, Jesus, is the one who breathes life into us. So we have access through Jesus. We need to stand in grace. And we are standing in grace when we begin to reign in life. If you're not reigning in life, if you're not feeling the life of God flying through you, if you're trying to earn something, if you feel condemned, if you feel, feel out of something like this morning, you think, I just must have to pray more, You've missed the point. That's why it's outrageous. So I am saying that you don't have to come to church if you're a believer. Oh my goodness, what have I just said? But if you've got the life of Jesus flowing through you, you want to come to church. Do you understand the difference? But trust me, if you feel out of anything I say or anyone else says in this church that you have to do anything, that's not the message. We motivate through grace because we're married to a new husband. And the husband brings life and, and his life through us. So are you standing in grace today? Terry Virgo, who I think is an expert on this subject, said one way to understand grace is in our lives. It's like someone who's painting a watercolour. I'm not a... You know, I had painted a watercolour once, actually. And what you do is you do a wash of colour over the whole canvas before you do anything else. Normally like a pale blue or something, and you do a wash over the whole canvas. And you have to allow that to dry, and then you apply the other colours on top. And what Terry explains is that's what grace is like. You have to paint grace over the whole of your life, and you have to let it dry. If you don't let it dry, if you add other things like come to church, like sharing the gospel, like making good godly decisions, the colours become mixed in and it's, it's grace and a little bit of law and it's not what was intended because we are married to another. We're no longer married to the law. Elsewhere, Paul writes, what shall we say then? Shall we Go on sinning so that grace may increase. So that could be the outcome of a moment like this. We could go on sinning because actually grace will cover you all the way. Do you realize that? If you completely mess up this week, Jesus has it covered. That's why it's outrageous. But of course, the answer in our hearts, I trust if we're married to Jesus, is no. Because we have this new husband bringing life through us. So... We have access through grace. But we must contend with ourselves to make sure we're standing on grace. So my question today is, are you standing in grace? Let's stand together, shall we?
Thank you, God. I tell you what, could you sit down again? <laughs> You're thinking, he doesn't know what he's doing up here, does he? I think, I think we need to respond. But I think people need to respond. And there's moments, and I, I don't do this for effect, trust me, but there's moments I know when I've been in your, in your position, you just know you need to do something just to nail it between you and God. You need to, there's some activity involved. And, uh, and so what I'm going to ask you in a moment, don't make any moves yet, in a moment I'm going to ask you just to stand where you are if you know you need to allow God to nail this in your life. If you know that you are so often tempted to earn favour from God or you feel condemnation when you don't do things as you wish you would. Do you understand? Uh, am I making sense? I, I just feel that you need to stand before God and the rest of us will have our eyes closed and then I just want to pray uh, and, because I feel we've just got to get this right and I want to give opportunity for you because if you don't get this right, then everything else is mixing those colours. You've got to allow grace to dry. And I just feel it's a moment for some to say, actually. Now, for some, it will be the first time you've ever made this sort of decision, almost like a decision to follow Jesus. It's like, okay, now I get it. For others, you may have known God, followed God for many years, but there's this blurring of law and grace. You still wander back to the old husband. And you want to say, no, I get it. And I'm going to stand because I'm standing in grace. Do you understand? So, with our eyes closed, if you just know God's speaking to you and this is a moment you need to do something physical, I'd love you to stand where you are, please, and I'd love to pray with you. So please stand now. Thank you. Let's keep our eyes closed. I just encourage you, if you stood, just to maybe lift your hands to God. I want us all to pray. Because this is a God work here. Thank you, God. Lord God, we thank you so much for this gospel of grace. Lord, it's outrageous. But it's wonderful. Lord, I thank you that this was never intended to be about us about whether we've had a good week or a bad week. It's all about you. And Lord, we pray for those who have responded this morning. Lord, I pray that this would be the defining moment when they stand in grace and stay stood. That actually this becomes a life moment for them. Lord, that they would understand. Spirit, I pray, would you bring revelation to their hearts that they are those that are called to reign in life. They're called to reign in life. That actually whatever life throws, we've got a husband called Jesus that is sustaining us, that is loving us, that is assisting us, that is accepting us, that is carrying us, that is strengthening us. Jesus, that's what you do. So we pray for those responding. Lord, would you seal this in their hearts? By your spirit, we thank you for grace that sets us free. We thank you for grace that reminds us that we are your children and we are loved by you. We thank you that that is a truth that will never go away. 
God, we pray for all of us. We pray, Lord, would we be a people that stand on grace? Even when we get excited and challenged to do uh, more things for you, Lord, I pray that it comes from a right place, not from a place that some, somehow says, we've we got to do better, we've got to do this. No, we've got to remain in you, and the rest will come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Thank you so much. We are done. Uh, just to reiterate, it's been said, if you're guests here, we love you being with us. Tea and coffee will be served in the small. If you want to connect with the welcome team, they're there. But equally, we'd love to say hello to you in the main hall as well. So God bless you and see you next time. Thank you so much.